really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty head over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit to make this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby. I'm your host. My name is David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. If you'd like to get in touch, I would love to hear from you. I'm on all your usual socials, and if you're old school, you can just drop me an email at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Well, as you've no doubt deduced by now, this is not your regular weekly episode, but is in fact yet another bonus episode, and today smack dab in the middle of the holiday season we're absolutely thrilled to welcome two lovely guests both experts in the field of welsh rugby in particular it's the aptly named dr harley worthy and the man with the cat hugh griffin harley my friend welcome to the show and how the heck are you hi dave uh thanks for having me on if very excited to be on here today how's everything going are you enjoying the holidays yeah, not too bad. So uh, I said the the baby got chicken pox just before Christmas, but thankfully oh, yeah. got through got through it uh, unscathed. Is enjoying being really spoiled by uh by all the family. So it's nice to have a have a bit of time away to relax and calm down myself. Nice, Hugh. This is the first time we've actually spoken, sort of you know, quote in person, unquote. How is everything with you? It's very well, thank you. I'm so excited to be on your wonderful show. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, yeah, it's everything's good. I am. A large proportion of me is turned into alcohol, whether that's Bailey's or whether it's wine or whether it's beer that has been consumed over Christmas. I've just had uh, a slice of Christmas pudding, which we're still trying to finish off, which was not completed on Christmas Day. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not all man. I'm now part stodge, but I'm an, a nice stodge, hopefully. <laughs> so I already mentioned <clears throat> I already mentioned Thistle, your beautiful and exceptionally photogenic kitten. Um, will the two of you be watching the action this weekend together? Absolutely. Thistle watches all of the rugby with me. Um, and he is excited for uh, the teams that he supports are Edinburgh in the URC, and he supports Toulouse in the top 14. Uh, and he's backing both of them to get a win this weekend. I think you might be right about that. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm really excited to have both of you on the show. You both create fantastic rugby content that I listen to every single week. Hugh, starting with you, can you tell us about your podcast and how people can get can, uh, get in touch with you? So I'm very fortunate that I get to do two podcasts. So uh, I get to do the Pirate Rugby Show, which you've um, very graciously shouted out a couple of times in your main show. So the Pirate Rugby podcast is all about trying to cover the most obscure rugby that we can. Um, so we give uh, plenty of attention to tier two rugby we like to talk about women's rugby all the time we want to talk more about that and we want to get more uh female guests on the show as well um and yeah so we the the pirate thing doesn't come from pirates as in sailing the high seas uh it comes from as in like pirate radio so pirate radio is like um playing the records that people want to listen to but no one is playing so pirate rugby is about talking about the rugby that people want to talk about um and listen to other people talk about but the mainstream podcasts don't deem it um, important enough for whatever reason. So we like to fill that void. Uh, and then the other show that I do is I, I'm a Scarlet's fan. So I do a Scarlet's uh, fan podcast called Scarlet's Fever, which is part of the rap family, which is what Harley will talk about a bit more in a second, I'm sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's a Scarlet's fan account. So at the moment, things aren't going very well for the Scarlet's. So if you want to <laughs> listen to three men be sad about that, that's the place that you can head. Harley, same question for you. Um, and Hugh already kind of teed it up for you. Can you tell us uh, where people can find you and your show? So, um, yeah, so I've, uh, almost a year ago now, uh, get, well, certainly getting close to a year ago, I joined a, a, a podcast called The Rap, so Welsh Rugby Appreciation Pod. And basically, we're four, we're four blokes, a fan from each of the four Welsh sides. And we just discuss the the weekend's games and everything involved in Welsh rugby. So we also dip into the national team and and the uh and the women's game. Well yeah, we try to when when we can, although not always qualified. Uh we start off with have it with the drink of the week. So it's just it's meant to be more of a almost a pub chat type type show where you know we, we don't take each other too seriously. There's a lot of taking the piss out of each other, particularly at the moment who's the Scarlet's fan on the show. 
um, but I'm also a fa- I also uh, host for Cardiff Central, which is the Card- so similar to Scott's theme. It's the Cardiff. It's one more Cardiff focus. We delve in a lot more detail about the Cardiff Cardiff team there and Cardiff news. The uh, the drink of the week segment is brilliant. I just I wish I had thought of that. It's now I, I don't even know if, if you know the effect it has on listeners because now like as soon as I start that pod, sometimes I'll like you'll you'll do the intro and then I pause it and I'm like, okay, wait, okay, Harley's gonna have like a cranberry beer. Like I place mental bets on it before you guys actually say what you're doing. <laughs> I have in the past got an interesting drink just generally and then messaged Lee on the back of it and said, Lee, can I come on the pod? I want to talk about my unusual drink. <laughs> it's a brilliant intro. It's fantastic. Um, okay. I've already kind of referenced it. We're in the middle of the festive derbies. More to come in just a few hours, in fact. Uh, Harley, is this your favorite time of year in rugby terms? Um. Usually, but no, m- normally more for the games not involving Cardiff because it's usually the <laughs> Cardiff Dragons game, which, which I, I mean, last week weekend was actually unbelievably good for a Cardiff fan, but normally it's a really terrible game. And you'll have me and um, Jamie from the rap, we'll call this the worst derby in, in rugby. So it's always a turgid affair. And then usually we get beaten by the Ospreys quite handily. So so I'm a, I'm a bit nervous for, a Monday, for New Year's Day with that one. But I, I always enjoy watching the oh, Italian derby. That's always a really fun game. Plus, it's it's likely to be nice out there. Yes, that does help. Hugh, what about you? Is this the best couple of rugby weekends in the URC in particular? In the URC, I'd say definitely. Um, I always have enjoyed the Boxing Day derby against the Ospreys uh, until this year where they've beaten us at Parker Scouts for the first time in about 10 years, which is, like I said, uh, it's sad times for Scarlet's fans at the moment but um, yeah and I, since I've started broadening my rugby horizons I, I find it really interesting learning about all the rivalries in other countries so obviously Leinster Munster is a very obvious one but um, learning about the rivalries in South Africa at the moment is something that I'm really finding exciting so watching the Stormers Bulls game um, from a couple of days before Christmas was a fantastic game and understanding yeah. The, uh, the intensity between uh, those clubs. And, you know, for me, sport is all about rivalry. You know, we talk about values a lot in, in this sport, but I think when it comes to your rivals and your closest rivals, I think sledging and trading a few barbs and things is, is what it's all about. And the, the, the sport is nothing if not petty, in my opinion. And this is certainly the pettiest time of year, which is why I like it so much. <laughs> Well, my friends, the URC, the ultimate rugby championship, is our point of focus uh, here today. We've all chatted about it in various places. We seem to agree that this, at this point in time, at least, the URC is the best rugby competition on earth. I feel really weird saying that because my favorite comp historically has been Super Rugby for all the years I've been paying attention. It's kind of the first competition I ever got to watch. But the disparity between the Kiwi sides and every other club, it's becoming a bit of a problem. But that, w- that would probably be a whole different podcast um, Hugh, I think out of the three of us, though, you might shout it out more loudly than any of the rest of us. The URC is the best league. Can you give us a, you know, just a couple of reasons why you think that? So I do think that. And the reason that I, I shout it loudly um, is because it, as a league, it gets such a hammering off certain quarters that I feel that an urge to be anti that. You know, I'm, I'm cognizant of the flaws in the league. I think every league has its flaws. Um, and I'm not pretending they don't exist. However, I think it's got lots of um, very wonderful things about it. And I, I like to focus on those and um, champion those because I, d- I think there are people who don't give them um, the, the airtime they deserve. Um, I think for me, the best things about the URC is, is simply the, the quality of the rugby. I think, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise or a controversial statement to say that if you've got a, a high concentration, you know, there's five of the top 10, yeah, five of the top 10, uh, leading unions in the world of rugby all competing in the same league and they concentrate all of their resources into a relatively small number of clubs you know south africa incredibly only has four elite clubs at time of recording so um it's a huge concentration of of test level players and like i said i think although the european campaign for the urc side hasn't been going that great this year i do believe that on balance it is the highest quality of rugby compared to the other leagues with the exception maybe of the inter new zealand derbies in super rugby 
lot of people say that the top 14 is fantastic and i do love the top 14 i watch it every week um but i think it is much more of an arm wrestle every single game in the top 14 is an arm wrestle mostly whereas in the urc that it's more multifaceted the rugby mm. tends to be harley uh same question for you can you give us a couple of things that make the urc special for you I think one of the big things is because you've got all these different nationalities of teams in there and actually within a lot of the squads as well, you do have quite a lot of multinational teams. You do get quite a few different styles of rugby coming out. So it's not just, it's not just you, you know, it's not just like the throw it about and hope for the best, you know, sort of like a zebra, you know, you've got some very good tactically, tactically minded teams. You've got teams that switch their play up um, various times. You know, one of the big things for me is you actually, despite what everyone says about South African teams, the URC sides do not play like South Africa. Mm. But as in the Springboks, they, you know, they are very, they're very open. They still have very strong set pieces. But they do love to throw the ball around. Uh, and some of, some of the games, you, you, you watch them and they almost match intensity. Uh, Munster Leinster, uh, you know, for their state, St. Stephen, you know, their annual traditional state, as it St. Stephen's Day, I think they call they call Boxing Day, but um, I think know, that I think that's right. Day, it's not you know, a term we use here, but I think I heard game, Patricia mention. But it was very intense, <laughs> and you know, you you know, you've seen gate. You know, there was a game ages ago. I think it was Zebra Leinster, and it finished three 0 and it was possibly one of the most intense tactical, defensive orientated games of rugby I've ever seen. And then you had, then you had some absolute nonsense, and it would be like Cardiff Connaught, and you know, it's just one one team failed to score a conversion and that decided the winner mm. it's you know I, I just love the variety of rugby you know you can watch three games in a row and they will all be completely different exactly i love that um harley sticking with you what is something you think the urc does right that maybe other competitions could steal like uh, i know i'm kind of springing this on you so feel free to take a second but like if the top 14 was looking at the URC's success right now and said, ooh, you know, maybe we should take this. Like, is there an aspect that other competitions could benefit from by sort of learning a lesson from the URC? Uh, I think it's a bit hard because I think one of the things that makes the URC unique is, again, is having all these different nations. And I wouldn't suggest that every every league suddenly just starts accepting in <laughs> lots of other teams because it doesn't necessarily, because then you'll ruin what makes each of the other leagues so great. Mm. Uh. For me, I quite like I quite like the I think they've got the right balance of, in the amount of teams in the playoffs. It's not too many like in Super Rugby where you basically just have to not lose a game and you and you you know and you've got playoff rugby, but it's not like the top four. So there's always a chance for someone like Munster who finished seventh last season to yeah to to go on and win the whole thing. What was it a five uh, a five game like, away think... streak to win that championship last year? I think it was that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so a friend, friend, friend of this pod, uh, Patricia, I'm sure, uh, her uh, her extended road trip. Although I think she's had a bit of travel fatigue the last few months, <laughs> unsurprisingly. It's but yeah, it's, I I do like that, and I and I quite like the mini tours of South Africa. Mm. I know it, they come under a lot of stick, but you know the amount of people here in pubs saying, "Oh, we don't have old school rugby tours anymore." So was, there it is. <laughs> you you take a small squad out and they and they go they'll they'll spawn for two weeks and they'll come back sometimes they come back looking better for it sometimes they end up going on a long losing streak until they play Cardiff but <laughs> you know it's 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 yeah for me I think that's just an exciting little bit of rugby that you don't necessarily see in the professional game anymore. Hugh, for you, what does the URC get right that other competitions might not? I think the URC is very open and it's very um, always willing to to change when if a change is needed and it's always very um, I'm not sure how to phrase this. It's it's constantly evolving and it never gets stuck in its ways. It's willing to um, modify what needs to be modified. And it's willing to listen to feedback and, and make changes. So, you know, Harley alluded to it there with the tours to South African things. You know, scheduling the URC is an absolute nightmare. It, it's it's trying to get all these different nations flying halfway across the world in some cases to, to play matches. It's really an incredible logistical feat. And, you know, it has, of course, environmental concerns, which shouldn't be ignored. But the, the steps that they've taken to to improve that and to remove like the the clashes with international games that everyone hated so much um 
just a couple of years ago they they've really they're always improving they're always refining and they don't they don't let it go stale and they also do, don't just bury their head in the sand to issues either this sounds like a long way around of your ongoing let's bring back the cheetahs campaign <laughs> well you know the the cheetahs don't need any help from me they've beaten two urc sides in in europe so far so they they, they can uh, they can handle themselves with ruin pinar still at the helm so last weekend obviously it was the start of these festive derbies i suppose the good news was two welsh teams won uh hugh you're the scarlet's fan harley sport cardiff i'm gonna flip the script a little bit on you both here uh hugh how pleased should harley be with his team's first half blowout of the Dragons this past weekend. Things changed in the second half, but that first 40 minutes, it was an all-time hiding, was it not? I think Cardiff fans should be delighted with not only how that first half um, of that game went, but I think the first half of the season in total went. I've just been working on a script for a video where I'm looking at, you know, there was a point during the summer where we were all wondering whether Cardiff were going to make it to the beginning of the season with all yeah. the financial difficulties with Peter Thomas passing away, sadly, and the the issues with the coaching and things. So to be where they are, and that I think that they play a, a very structure, well-coached structure in their game, and I think that they play an attractive game. I think their defence obviously isn't perfect. They do concede a lot, but you can see what they're trying to do on the pitch, and they do execute with ball in hand quite well. And I think, you know, in these games, I think when you have... A first half like they had against the Dragons, which the Dragons have come in for a lot of criticism for, but I think from a Cardiff point of view, you should just take it and enjoy it while you can um, because they're not going to happen every day. So, yeah, and I think just seeing players like the young players, like whether it's Ben Thomas or Teddy Williams in the second row or something, I'd be jumping on the bandwagon and getting excited about these guys because I think they're worth getting excited about. Harley, I know this is a bit of a stumper, but what is a positive that Scarlets could take away from a potentially winnable game at Parky Scarlets against the Ospreys last weekend? They didn't concede a point in the first half. It's true. Um, I, 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 I'm it was anyone's game at so the break. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not so much that first. Um, I think the one. I think the thing that Scarlets should be pleased about is you know. Um, Hughes alluded to the Cardiff youngsters, but some of the Scarlet youngsters or the ones they brought in from from the Buck Super League. So that's our university, our you know, our college equivalent of college college rugby. It's you know, you've got um, the likes of Teddy Leatherbarrow and Charlie Titcomb, who I think are really excellent. Eddie Eddie James is looking really good at twelve when he when he comes in. Um, Joe Roberts has been injured, which has been a shame because I think he's looking really sharp as well. I think the big problem for the Scarlets though is they don't seem to know how to connect all these dots and attack. They've got some very brilliant um, attacking players, but there's no structure within it. Mm. Um, Hugh and I recently went to watch Cardiff versus um, Scarlets, and the attack line was literally straight. It looked more like a defensive setup than it did with, than it than did an offensive. And wow. you know, basically, they just went around Cardiff, and that's how they got their a lot of their choice. It's, I think, I said it's really hard to be a Scarlets. Be positive about the Scarlets now, and Hugh, Hugh bless, bless him, has tried his hardest. But I said, I think the youngsters are other things you you are you've got to focus on. Well, that that kind of sets this up nicely. I want to ask both of you about this. Um, this past weekend, especially during Cardiff uh, Cardiff versus Dragons, I mean, they had Gareth Reese Owen, they had Shanks, they had all the big guns on comms, and they kept telling us over and over. They were like, Welsh rugby fans are smart, they're well informed, they know this is a tough period right now. Like, as a fan, what is it like for both of you right now? Like Shanks was saying, oh, well, they know so much that it, do it doesn't hurt in the way in the way it might. Uh, does your knowledge about the issues at the top, the minuscule budgets, the ramshackle state of the organization at the highest level, does that make you think, okay, yeah, you know what? These are tough times, but things will change as they inevitably do. Or do you feel like, what the F? Like, what have we done as a rugby-loving nation to anger the gods of sport this way? Um, Harley... What's your general mood around the state of the regions, and do you see hope for the future? Um, I think I think there's some hope. I think we've got to be a bit realistic. You know, we're not going to be competing with the top teams in Europe. You know, with, it's very easy to lean on the budgets, but the fact is, if you can't afford to have two quality twenty threes, you're not going to be able to compete at the top end, at the later end of things at like the URC and thing. 
But what we should be hoping is seeing the young t- young talent coming through and giving us promise and having a nice, you know, having good structure and seeing that they're playing as well as they can. Which I think for me personally, Cardiff for the most part have done that. I know Hughes had issues, mentioned issues with it, both privately and on Scarlet's pod. But it, but as long as we're, you know, you can't just hide behind the budgets. At, at the end of the day, players and coaches do have to step up and say, you know, and prepare your team's best. You know, Cardiff have, Cardiff, despite all the budgetary concerns and having to pull tens out of the Curry Cup, you know, and, you know, fetching a loose head out of the back of the sofa, you know, they've still been within a point of almost every game this season. They called you know, me so, a couple you know, of weeks you can ago. See it was, effort, you can see the passion. Yeah. Well, I said, I think as long as fans see their team is playing for them and, you know, you can see they're leaving absolutely everything on the pitch. You can't really ask for more than that. It's frustrating, all these narrow losses, but we can see the improvement week on week. We can see that they're, try- they're trying. So, I mean, that's that's me as a Cardiff fan. Um I say probably Ospreys seem to be the more one of the more disappointing ones. Seeing so on paper they've got the probably the strongest squad in Wales, and it's just not really clicked for them. Dragons, you'd think their budget was cut the least because we were all on the same level, and that was about the level the Dragons are on. So they were the only side to make like you know they were they were dropping a player and signing a new player. You know they kept themselves about the same level. So you kind of hope they would be sort of more on a path. And then so he... that first... oh sorry. Yeah. So I was just gonna say that first half against Cardiff, it just looked like they couldn't be asked. Almost, um, you know, they just seemed very much off the pace. Hugh, for me, there have been at least two games this year where your team absolutely could have won. Um, are you are you worried about your team's fan base? Are Welsh fans going to start looking somewhere else? Are they going to start looking at football or I don't know netball or some equally crappy sport? Is, is Scarlet's rugby in mortal danger or temporary trouble? Uh, I think temporary trouble. I don't. I don't think the Scarlets are in mortal danger. Uh, the, you know, I've got a fascination with attendances and things, and I love tracking them in spreadsheets. And it, the, it's. I'm afraid it's as simple as if the team's doing well, the crowds come. If the team's doing badly, they don't. Um, and that's completely fine. Uh, that's not me at all. You know, calling anybody fair weather fans or something. You know, sport is a hobby at the end of the day. And if you're not enjoying it, why would you t- turn up and watch it? You know, I've got utmost respect for the 3,000 fans who go to Ronnie Parade every week and watch the Dragons, even though they can go entire seasons and not see a home victory. Um, so I don't think the, the Scarlets are in, in mortal danger because I, I, at some point it will turn. You know, sport is cyclical. We were winning leagues and getting to European semifinals five years ago. And, you know, I don't know how soon we'll get to that level again, but things will, will come back around eventually. Um, but it's, I think when it comes to club rugby, and this is a quite a sweeping statement, but cl- club rugby fans are the hardcore. And like, if you haven't lost us now, you're, you're never gonna, <laughs> never gonna lose us. So I want to play a, a quick game with you guys. A game I call Money Player Coach. The obvious idea is which of those three things would best help one of the struggling teams get back into playoff contention in the URC. So as we record this now. None of the Welsh regions would make the postseason, uh, but they'd be joined on the early vacation list by Connacht, that hurts, uh, Lions, Zebrae, and Sharks, two South African teams missing out. Hugh, if you had sort of magical powers and you were for some reason considering using them to fix the Hollywood Bets Sharks, what would you do? Would you just pump money into the club? Would you add another marquee standout player to energize your squad? Would you swap out your current coach for a great coach? Like it doesn't even have to be somebody who exists. We can skip that. Uh, let's just say it's a coach in the sort of Warren Gatland, Steve Hansen, I guess Andy Farrell sort of echelon. If uh, for our first move of the game, what is your plan to fix the Sharks and get them into the playoffs? Money, player, or coach? Ooh, that is a tough one to start with because I think a lot of South African fans would say you got money and players already because they've got like even at Sabathlik, Kanyo Am, Oxen. It's a murderer's Shea. row. Uh, Umbanambi as well. They know he's injured at the moment. Maybe they need an, a new fly half potentially. I know that a lot of them aren't very happy with um, Bosch. That that would maybe be that. that I don't. I, I think in terms of South African teams, they are one of the better funded ones. So mm. I wouldn't necessarily say money. Coach is a difficult one because um, John Plumtree is only new in the door there. So it, it's quite. It would be quite quick to turn that around. But you'd have to say that it's not going very well at the moment, and you'd have to say they are probably. 
underachieving. I mean, they lost to the Cheetahs, for example, and the Cheetahs aren't even a URC team. So uh, you, you sense that it's, it's not gone well with the new coach. So maybe that's the change they want to make, even if that might feel a bit early at this stage to make that change. Harley, are you going to disagree with that or are you thinking along the same lines? Uh, again, it's a hard it, it's a hard one because if you look at the players that the Sharks have, you know they've got some they've got World Cup winner, winners, which is more than a lot of the a lot of the other teams in the bottom eight can 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 say. It's more than it, Leinster have got. It's, Sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, until next season when they get a uh, hockey snowman, but uh, we'll uh, oh, yeah. we'll leave that one out. Oh it's 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 one of those weird ones. Um, you've got to remember as well, like like most of the other South African sides, they've done their big away tour, so you know they've mostly had away games. They haven't really had a string of home games yet, and the URC, URC not quite to the extent of somewhere like the top fourteen. Home games are important, particularly for the South African sides because they do get a big advantage being at home um, just because of the whole traveling down there. I mean, I know in Durban, they don't really have the altitude thing that the Lions and the Bulls have, but the fact that they've been on the road, they've had their four weeks away on the road. That's going to be taxing on the players, particularly towards the end, towards the end of that period. So, you know, as much as I said, you know, going on a quick tour, it's all right going on a quick tour into South Africa where it's lovely and sunny and you get to go see loads of wildlife. Going on tour and you're seeing Galway, Edinburgh and Cardiff, it's not really the, it's not really the same sort of holiday vibe. It, so in the so Sharks case, I, it I, might be either any of those things and it's just going to work out that maybe maybe this was just a rough patch? I think for them, first of all, they need some time just to see what the new coach wants to do with these players and then go through. Again, money should be an option. They've just been taken over by Hollywood bets. Um, you know, so I think money's not the issue. Money's not an issue. They've definitely got good enough players. The question is, in the player side, is are they the right players for the team? You know, you can always, you know, like Barbarians can be the 15 best players in the pitch, but if they've not played together, not gelling, they don't work together, they're always going to get beaten by a by a team with slightly worse players who play week in, week out. Well, so that's, sticking... that's one thing I think they've got to... I'd be tempted to stick on the on the Sharks and just give them give them and Plumtree the rest of the season just to see where things click into place. Well, sticking with the South African teams who are on the outside right now, Lions are also in that bottom part of the, the competition. What is, uh, Harley, sticking with you, what's your recipe for them? Are you going to go money, player, or coach? For them, I'd probably go money, purely because they are the worst funded of the four South African franchises. And their biggest problem is they do, they, they've got a fantastic pipeline of new talent coming through. But as soon as that player is established and looks really good, one of the either a side in Europe nicks them or one of the other three South African teams takes them and they can't afford to keep these brilliant players they've got. So actually maybe be, having that bit more money so that they can hold on to these players for maybe a season or two longer they would, would give them the cohesion to work up. Hugh, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think Lions are the one where money would solve a lot of their problems, exactly for the reasons Harley said there, for retention um, purposes. Because if you look at the players that they produce, like Quagar Smith, for example, is is came through with the Lions, um, but they just they as soon as any, they become any good, they up and leave because there's the money's not there. So money is how I would fix the Lions for sure. Hugh Zebra, they they haven't shown the kind of improvement Benetton have over the last few years. But they, they have a bit of an attitude this year. I, I kind of like what I'm seeing out of them. The results obviously aren't there yet. Um, what does Zebre need most, money, player, or coach? Zebre is an interesting one because you have to take into account what Zebra are. And Zebra are the, the development side. So Italian rugby, as far as I'm aware, have implemented the strategy of Benetton are the team that competes and Zebra are the team for bringing through the new talents. Um, so from that kind of point of view, I would say, yeah, the they have improved this season and they're not they're not the the guaranteed five points that they were last season i would say coaching but may, i'm not saying to like sack their head coach and get a new person in i'm thinking more if their purpose is to develop young players get as many coaches as you can in there get a kicking coach get more strength and conditioning coaches get more oh. 
um, forwards and skills coaches and things and and really accelerate the development of these players as much as you can. Is that open? Like if you're if you're a player on Zebra, do you know, okay, I'm in the, I'm on the JV team right now, basically? Uh, Harley, if I'm wrong on this, please step in and correct me. I believe both teams are funded by the Italian Rugby Union. Um, so I think if you've been signed by Zebra and not by Benetton, you, you kind of know what the plan is for you. We, I, I, I don't know enough about it. I'd love to. I, I really want to get some Italian guests on the pirate um, pod to, to ask them about this, but I understand that it's pretty clear that Benetton are the um, side for, for winning stuff and Zebra the side for development. Yeah, I've, I've been hearing that. I just didn't know if it was an official kind of thing. Um, Harley, I love this idea of adding new coaches. If you're going to develop the players, develop your coaching talent as well. Um, do you think he's onto something with this? Yeah. I mean, I, I could I probably look at most of that bottom the bottom eight and say that somewhere or another they need someone developing coach, whether it's a, a coached coach. So someone who's actually going to bring these new coaches and get them actually up or just, you know, small, it can, you know, like Cardiff have got a part-time defense coach with Zebra, you know, and Zebra have um, Cardiff's old defense coach in uh, Hodges, who, who actually I was a big, big fan of. Um, I think the Zebra as well, it, it's slightly changing that thing. The so when, the Italian rugby union does own both teams, and they, I think they might be central contact. They might be, and then I think Benetton gets some extra money as well from Benetton, the company, because obviously they're based in Treviso. But I think that they started off focusing on Benetton, so they put all their eggs in the Benetton basket to try and develop and get the Italian international side better, and then going up. And then Zebra was more development, and then you got a few more of those players that go off to the top fourteen, probably do whatever. But now they're sort of they're starting to see the fruits of Benetton, and they are becoming a competitive side. Yeah, but you know they've got the potential to be a a, a team competing for for silverware in the URC. They, you know their budgets are uh, right up there. You can see now Zeb they're slowly increasing the funding in Zebra, so they sort of sorted one out. Now they're bringing the other one through us. You'd have to ask someone like Craig or John from Scottish Rugby Pod. I'm pretty sure they did something similar with Glasgow and Edinburgh with the hmm. SRU. They sort of focus on one team, then start bringing the other one, and now they're comparable. And you know, it's um, and they did some. The RFU did something similar with Connacht, where Connacht was most more of a developmental thing. So a lot of players who couldn't get game time from the other three provinces would go to Connacht and build up. And again, now they're able to keep the other three going. They're they're increasing the funding of Connacht. Well, you kind of you you kind of laid that one right over the plate for me because Connacht is the other team that we're going to look at. Um. I, I support Connacht in the URC. Uh, they started out really strong this year. They had, they got some nice wins really early. Maybe it's because of the World Cup hangover, players not being around, but um, they they find themselves on the outside looking in now. What's needed in Galway? Money, player, or coach, Harley? Um, I mean, I know they have, a, think, they have a brand new coach, so... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing, and I'm, I quite like what Pete Wilkins is doing to carry on the, the Andy Friend thing. Again, I mean, when you think about it, yes, they're 10th in the URC, but they're on the same number of points as Ospreys and Cardiff. They've won the same number of games as Storm as Stormers, who are in eighth. So, I mean, it's showing how, how important bonus points are. Connor have done their away trip to South Africa. And that is a huge... So this is one of the things where the table in the URC doesn't always say the full story. Mm. Because of that, because of this away trip, they're less likely to... to all the same, like they did beat the Sharks out there. Um, I think the big problem with Connacht as well is they've got to play the other three Irish provinces twice, and they are three of the top. You know, and they, you know, they those three, you know, and they're three of the top sides. So that's going to hurt, particularly around derby season before they play some of the maybe easier games. So I again, it's a really cop out answer, but similar to Sharks, I think they need time to just let the new coaches bed in. They've also had issues like you know when their star players, Mark Hansen, he's been. First of all, there was the delay in getting him back from the World Cup. Now he's had yep. a newy run. And again, just getting through. Um, I think Connor have done really well uh, when they signed JJ Hanrahan as well, because it's given yep. Jack Carty someone to actually compete against, whereas he, he was almost a shoe in when fit. And actually, I think they've been looking really good with Hanrahan at 10. So I said, Hugh, I, I know uh, you're a fan of is, Sorry, uh, Hugh, is, is Harley right about this? Is it just kind of give them some more time it, it felt like they were better than ulster at the, at the beginning of the year and have ulster flipped that or are they just the most schizophrenic team in ireland 
I think Harley's right. I think it's a fixture thing. Um, and I think we're not going to have a true picture of the URC until right at the very end, which I guess is what makes it exciting. But uh, the the tour to South Africa is a huge thing. Carmack's the first one I'm going to say player because I look at Munster with their um, overseas signings. I look at Leinster now obviously getting RG off Munster and they've had some incredible overseas in the past. Ulster have got Stephen Kitts off. Where's Connacht's thing? Uh, you know, um, they're, I think they're Irish internationals. They've got Aki Hansen and Finley Beelham or Binley Phelan, as I like to call him. Um, <laughs> so where, where's Connacht's one of those? You know, and again, it might come down to the strategy of the IRFU and say Connacht is not the team that we spend that kind of money on. Um, but for me, I would say, you know, the joke that Connacht fans always say is like, <laughs> is there anything more to be said for extra speedy backs? It's a bit like um, Cardiff as well. So I would say, where's Connacht's big South African forward? I think that would uh, work wonders for them. Well, those are the four non-Welsh teams that find themselves outside in the la- uh, outside the land of the postseason. Um, but among the regions, Ospreys, they're obviously on top, just nipping at the heels of a disappointing Stormers team. Cardiff, they're in 11th, and then it's Scarlet's 14 and Dragon's 16. That's pretty brutal. You can take... Uh, Cardiff, Scarlets, and Dragons add those win totals together, and you still get less than Leinster. Um, Hugh, what what are the Ospreys doing right right now? But you know, what are they doing better than everybody else? Not that they're any great shakes, but they do have that game edge, and it, they kind of have a positive look to them. What are you seeing from Ospreys that they're doing right this year? I love that you come to the Scarlets fan for a praise of the Ospreys. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> They, they, as a team, they have a very clear identity, and it is forward-based rugby, which is traditionally what the Ospreys have been all about. And uh, it's all about without the ball, so it's their defence, and their majority of their tries come from defensive pressure. Um, so uh, a turnover, a drop pass, or whatever is in midfield, and someone picks it up and scoots away and scores the try. Um, so they, they have a great identity. They are producing uh, young players. They have gotten their academy in order. And they do have players coming through that are exciting, like James Fender is one of the ones who's burst onto the scene this year, the uh, young lock, and he's getting rave reviews, which is fantastic. Um, the sort of something that's not necessarily to do with the actual rugby team, but something that I, I really admire about the Ospreys at the moment is the the connection that they've managed to foster with their fans. Now, mm. they they have their attendances are very well documented as being slipping away, sadly, um, but the fans that they do it's not due to lack of trying and being open and connecting with the fans the the coach um toby booth interacts with fans on social media the players um dm the the osprey's irie podcast and things and their their social media admin account is re- right on top of their game and they're very much a leaders in all those things so i think if the, if there's one thing that i would like the scarlets to copy osprey's on it would be their um fan interactions i think that that makes a huge difference for for the supporters of a rugby club. Oh, that's that's very cool. The the Free Jacks are very good at that. They've now, I think, three years in a row, thrown this little winter party just for just for season ticket holders. And the, the you know, there's 10, 12 players there. The staff, the owners, it, it's really cool. Um, and I do feel like that that goes a long way to creating more engagement. Um, Harley, can you try to explain to us? What is wrong with Scarlets right now? Like, I feel like, I feel like most people probably thought Scarlets were going to be better than they are right now. I don't know exactly what I expected, but it, it wasn't this. Um, can you give us the magic recipe? Um, so I think I think it's just a lot of things just aren't quite right. So they've got a head coach who's not really done the job before, you know, and he was stroke, you know, and Scarlets was struggling this time last season. Then we had Lee Black. It came in as sort of a mentor for Peel and that's and then you saw the performances pick up their attack coach is a defense coach who left Ulster because he wanted to be an attack coach and then you look at their attacking shape and it looks like a defensive one so I don't think that <laughs> and then the biggest problem which is the one that Hugh um, drums on a lot about is they signed Joan Lloyd but they signed him primarily to be a 15 and a fullback and a backup 10 but with the injury to Costello and his Wales and availability you have Joan Lloyd playing and when you watch him play, he plays more like an inside centre or a fullback mm. because he's more about carrying the ball and get, and he spends half his time at the bottom of the ruck. And Scarlets don't really have a second playmaker to come and organise that attacking shape. So he goes into line and then they've basically got to play a few phases of just pick and go. And I think that's the thing. Like Scarlet's big, big plus point is their electric attack. That is 
you know, if we go to the cliches of rugby DNA, you know, one of the things I love about Osprey Scarch rivalry, apart from like how close it is as a derby, it's literally across a river. Like, you know, that's 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 what we're that's what we're talking about. That's very cool. But it's also like the two antitheses of of how you should play rugby. It's forward brute crash and jue jue. And Scarlets just haven't really been doing the jue jue. Because and I think a big part of that is they've just not really had they don't really have the structure there in the back in the in the back line. I mean they're powder I mean we could talk about their powder puff pack, but they've had stuff like that for years and they've managed to get away with it by being able to play around teams. So yeah, I'd say for them that's I think it's a bunch there's too many inexperienced coaches there and there's no one there who's actually able to sort of drive everything. Hugh, they're they're your team. Um do you think Carly's on the right track here? Um is Yoan it sounds like Yoan Lloyd's like a, a a pin kind of holding things down right in the middle. Is that something that coaching can fix? Um is it just not who he is? Um I, I think Harley's really nailed it. And, you know, I've talked a, a lot about the Scarlets, obviously, and uh, I, I'm I'm interested to hear other people's takes. Um, the the I think Harley's exactly right with with Yoan Lloyd is that he's been getting a lot of rave reviews, and but it, he's very much like I'll just do it on my own. And you know, I can't criticize him for taking the game for the scruff by the scruff of the neck and being a leader and taking responsibility for the results. But it's not necessarily what the team needs. And I think it, when Costello comes back, that will we will see a change in that. I think uh, something that's kind of hurting Yoan is that there is no fly half for him to learn from, either on the coaching tickets, nor is there an experienced fly half at the Scarlets like a Stephen Myler was for the Ospreys mm. um, or Reese Priestland was at Cardiff to, to, to bring him on and teach him how to be, do the unsexy parts of being a fly half. Um, so... I I agree with Harley. I think he is a fullback playing in the 10 jersey. And I think he's got bags of talent. And like I say, I can't fault his effort. I just don't think the way he's being used, he's a bit like he's a bit of a Hail Mary at the moment. He's a bit of like just give it to Yoan and see if he can do something seems to be the plan. Um you know, and uh, again to what Harley said, generally about the Scars is I think we've taken a lot of risks. You know, we talk about Dwayne never having Dwayne Peel never having been a head coach before, but he's had been given not only the backing to stay in the job, but also the backing to appoint who he wants as his assistants. So um, Shane Carney, the conditioning coach, and Jared Payne, the attack coach, were with him at Ulster. And so he's brought them over with him. So they, they've taken the risk not only appointing him in the first place, but also giving him the amount of power and influence in the team. And then, as Harley said, bringing in players for him that are risks in and of themselves so we've ended up with a fly half who you know said in an interview himself before he joined i've never really spent much time at fly half so i've got to learn how to do it and he has been our number one fly half for the for the season so yeah i think it needs it needs someone to put their foot on the ball to borrow a soccer phrase and just say guys let's just do this let's just keep it simple go back to basics and just you know be be unsexy for a bit and hopefully the performances will improve well here's a bit of an open-ended one for you hugh are cardiff good like some days it kind of looks like it right but definitely not all the time <laughs> is cardiff uh, a good team right now i can see what they're trying to do i think they're they're very well coached and i think that they have aspects of their game that are very strong i think tinas tinas de beer has been an excellent signing for them uh, he's missed a couple of kicks at goal, but I don't think that defines him at all. Uh, and they've got incredibly exciting young players. They Their big issue is their defence. They concede a lot of points all of the time, which needs to change. And maybe that will change with getting Gethin Jenkins getting his feet under the table. I don't know how many sessions he takes a week. Obviously, he's only in a in a consultancy role. He's in uh, two days uh, a week. Two days. Well, there you go. So that that's probably got a lot to do with that then. <laughs> Are Cardiff good? They're on the way to be being good. If they can hang on to these players and 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 stick with it, then they can become good. I believe. Harley, is he right right about this? Um, yeah, I think I think he is right. I think we're we, we're definitely showing potential. And if you look at the earlier, uh, you know, and again, the fact is we're we're staying in games. I, I mean, me and Carwin of the my co-host that the. Carlos Central podcast. We got a bit faded for saying it's another opportunity miss. It's a game we could have won. 
but you know we are st- sticking in with games. Our defense isn't actually as bad as he's making out. We do. There are a lot. There are, we're not the best defense, but we're not. We're far from the worst. You know, we're still we're quite up there in tackle percentage. Um, and actually, you know, in terms of turning the ball, getting the ball back, we're you know we're quite good on turnover team. The problem is, is when our turnover game doesn't work, that's when we start getting into pressure because we do commit too many play. Because then we're committing plays to the right. We're not getting the ball back, and then we're under pressure. Then, um, for us, one of the things our biggest improvement this season so far has been set piece. But again, it's still nowhere near. Perfect. So you know, when if a team can get us under the ropes by pressuring eyes on our line out, and then we and our scrub, and then we start marching back, and then we're stuck in our own twenty-two, and then we go back. Um, but he's right. I think Tina Stabi has been brilliant for us. He's very good at marshalling the game around the field. He still runs quite a lot. He's so he's you know he's been quite good at replacing the Jared Evans role. Weirdly, his kicks in play. Absolutely fantastic. It's great distance. Then he'll kick the touch and it and it'll only go five meters. Um <laughs> but but the but you know it's nice that we've got a reliable head who's there going through. I think the worry for Cardiff is what happens when he goes down. Do we mm. necessarily have and I think that's I mean that's gonna be a problem with all the Welsh regions. And this is where the budgetary things do come in, is the depth starts becoming very thin. So like we've we played a lot of this season so far with like our fifth choice number eight. And you know, and you know, right down the lists in 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 our back row, which actually has worked out quite well with this young back row we've assembled. And now players are starting to come back. It's going to be quite an interesting battle to see who's who is actually going to be getting into the team now. But yeah, I I think Cardiff at that point, I think we're starting to see them turning over. I think the big disappointing thing with Cardiff is losing to Scarlets twice in games where Hugh Hughes openly admitted Cardiff were the better team and. But then Scarlet's bullshit tries happened. And that seems to be the thing that that seems to be Carlos' weakness is that Scarlet's just know how to score stupid try stupid tries that should they shouldn't score past it, past Cardiff, and then that's that's a screwed them. Yep, bullshit tries are still worth five points. Yep. <laughs> so finally, uh either of you can jump in on this too. I mean, the dragons. I'm really glad they got a win. They're so few and far between. But it just looks so dire there. Um, not even a real dire joke. Um, hmm. Can either of you explain what's going ro- so wrong for the Dragons? They have a few really good players. Like, what is at the heart of their lack of success? It's always been the same with the Dragons. It's always been like this, where you know th- they had an incredibly bad Boxing Day defeat, and that in- inspires um, Ben James Wales online to talk about is Die Young's, uh, sorry, Die Fanigan's um, job in threat and I'm kind of like that was a bad game but if they helicopter out this is what the dragons have always been um it's I I I did a little like um like a little triangle on Twitter where you dragons put the team out uh you think that's a good team and then they they get absolutely hammered and then you go dragons always get hammered why did I think they were good and then next week they put the team sheet out again and you go oh that is a good team yeah and it just goes around um it's always it's always been like this it's I think they signed the wrong players at the wrong time um, or maybe the right players at the wrong time. So they get good players, but either too early or too late. So there's any number of Welsh legends whose careers have ended at the Dragons, like Lieber and um, Gavin Henson and things, incredibly talented players who were there for the very last payday. Um, Dan Lydiot. Yeah, Dan Lydiot. But he did start at the Dragons, to be fair. Um, so it's kind of a bit was ever thus with the dragons. Um, I think the biggest thing for them and why this season's kind of a winner already is because they've gone back into private ownership and they now own Rod- Rodney parade, which oh. is huge. Um, it's a, uh, it's uh, transformative for them as a business to be the owners of that ground. And it's massive credit to David Buttress and all of his um, co-investors that they've managed to pull that off. And I think they need to, install uh, in sort of the the front of house people they need to get the director of rugby in they need to get all the people to help die fanagan because i think he's doing quite a lot of it on his own um yeah it's just it's the same as it's always been really but and you just kind of hope that now that they're in the the private ownership that, that someone can kind of break the cycle harley anything to add um yeah i mean the one thing for me is i think 
potentially what they need is some almost a mental skills coach. I mean, I don't want to make the mm. jokes about the mind you imagine for a mind of sale, but a lot of issues with dragons seems to be they they their heads drop too quickly and they go and that's it and they end up in the spiral. So they do have these fantastic plays who should be better. Um, you know, so like on paper, dragons had a better back row than Cardiff. You know, we we were all young guns. These are these are seasoned in seasoned internationals or someone, you know, with Harry Keddy, a very experienced URC player. But then they lose their head. And then it's and it's like, well now it's 17 games, 18 games in a row against Cardiff. It's this long, you know, it's been a year since we won away. It's been six months since we won at home. And that sort of mental pressure just builds and you can see how quickly their heads drop. Because when they're in games are great, but then they can't close out. So like the Edinburgh game at the start of this season was a classic example of they were the better team for pretty much the whole game. And then their head slipped right at the end. And that was that was it then. And then Edinburgh were able to win. And you it makes you wonder what would that of what one win have done? And then they had a similar yeah. one with the Sharks last year after beating Munster. So for I mean for me, I think, yeah, I mean they definitely need a senior coach, just someone which they sort of have with um God, I've forgotten his name, but um um, can you remember Hugh? I can't remember. I know it was a, a former coach has come back in to help. Yeah, and the name has completely slipped my mind now. But you know, and the idea is to similar to what I said with Lee Black, how Lee Blackett helped the Scarlets last season. It's just having someone who's been there and done that and can just sort of, you know, almost coaching to be a coach and how to be a head coach because it's one diff- it's a different it's one thing to run a small aspect of a team. It's another thing to be in charge of. The team, you know, picking the selecting the team. Who are we going to go right? How am I going to manage this player's minutes? You know, I think it's something that Matt Sherrod's actually adapted to quite well. I thought he was a bit ropey with it at the start of the season. Now he's starting to go. You know, it's, he seems to be going into the role quite well. I don't know how much he was already being groomed for that role by Dying previously, hmm. and in, in you know in other setups. But it's I think that's where Dragons go. Is one is they met, they've just got a huge mental block. They need to go it. You know, and the thing is, I think Dragons are going to, especially in the next couple of seasons, they're losing excuses because they've always had, we're the worst funded Welsh region. You know, we always get the last dregs of any deals for international players or or any pot of money. They've got the largest number of um, clubs that they can pull into, the, pull mini and juniors from into the academy. They've got, now they're on the same budget as the other, as the other teams are in private hands. So now is the time where they, you know, they're gonna just have to start. And it, the only thing I can think of now is mental, and then just having that one senior coach, maybe a better forwards coach as well. But I think that that could deploy to everyone but the Ospreys, really. Okay, I want to kind of look ahead and lock in your predictions for the rest of the season. Then we can all go back and laugh about it in a few months. Um, as we're recording today, the table has Leinster. I don't want to say comfortably on top, but definitely on top. Then it's Glasgow, Benetton, in case you hadn't noticed. Bulls fourth, Ulster fifth. Then it's Munster, Edinburgh, and the Stormers filling out that top tier for the playoffs. Harley, will any of those teams f- end up failing to make the playoffs? Do you see somebody in that top eight dropping out of there? Um, it's I don't know who would necessarily drop out. I think Munster probably having a different second album. Um, you know, as you know, you expected them to be a bit better against, uh, particularly against Leinster, and you know, they've lost a couple of games where maybe you thought they'd have won. Um, more because I do think someone like Connacht might, Connacht might come, might come good and 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 get into that top eight. But I don't necessarily know at the expense of who may be Edinburgh. Like it is very close between. If you look between like you know Munster on twenty four points down to the Lions who are on twelve points, uh, sorry nineteen points, but they have the game in hand. You know it's. It is very congested again. It's one of the things I think is great about the Aussie is it's a very compact table. Um, but I say pretty much all of them. You see, like I, I can't imagine the Stormers will, especially again with the four game tour out the way. Now I can see mm. them making a name for themselves at home. So I imagine they are going to start rising up. Ulster, you know, I think they must have they sorted out the problems. You know, that had that mid season dip. Um, last year, you know, where just everything went completely wrong and no one really understood why, and then all of a sudden they were all right again. Um, yeah, I'd say probably Munster and Edinburgh are probably the two weakest in that top eight, possibly Benetton as well. Hugh, what say you? you? Know, so those, th- those three might go, but I, I, I'd say it's going to be pretty much the same. 
we've pretty much you know said that Connacht and uh, Sharks are probably going to get much better as the season improves. Um, Hugh, is that going to be enough to unseat any of these top eight? I think uh, Connacht can, with their fixtures improving. I think the Sharks are probably a bit too far behind now. I think that might be just about it. Uh, I maintain, and I, I've been consistent on this from day one, that Ospreys have the squads um, to be uh, higher up. And, you know, the the fact is that they get to play each of the Welsh regions twice, and they are probably the weakest teams in the league. So they, Ospreys have the the means and the opportunity, and you'd hope they have the motivation to to to, to get up there. So they, they only need to improve one place. Um, but that that's about it. I would say that out of any of those top eight that's in there now, I think Munster approved it, Scarlet's proved it in 2017, that because of the playoff system, um, you only need to be good for the final like third of the year and you could win the whole bloody thing. So, um, yeah. So I, 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 in terms of the top eight changing, probably Connacht and... Ospreys could could get in there, I think. Maybe Ospreys have kind of let the opportunity slip with the they've had very kind fixtures so far and maybe not capitalized. But I think that's about it, really. Hugh, what would make the Scarlet season a win for you? What would they have to do? What would have to happen this year for at the end of the year for you to go, yeah, you know what? Okay, fine. It's all about performances for me. I can only speak for, for, for my own opinion. I, I would like to see performances over results. So I said it after, like Harley alluded to earlier, after we beat Cardiff at the Arms Park, I came away from that thinking, I'm happy we won. And, you know, as a fan, you need to, if you win, you need to be happy. But um, all of the problems that we'd had in the season up until that point, we're still present and correct in that game. We still kicked badly. We still had a really poor set piece. So I, I would like to see performances improve on the pitch and i think results are kind of gone now i don't i can't see us getting into the top uh, eight and because of the european format i don't really see us going very deep in the challenge cup either so it's all about performances for me i'd like to see us i'd like to look watch us play rugby and go oh i can see what we're trying to do here oh I, you know rather than rather than ha- holding my head in my hands and thinking what was all that about i'd like to even if it goes wrong i'd like to be thinking I can see what we were trying to do there. I can see the logic behind that. And I think if that is that far away from working and if it works, that that would have been brilliant. So it's it's performances for me rather than results for the rest of this season. Harley, what what could Cardiff do to fulfill your most outlandish hope for your team this year? Um, so I think when when we did sort of start the season predictions, I said the absolute my my absolute best I thought Cardiff would do was to basically match the last season's position in the URC, which is 10th, and to retain the Welsh Shield. The second of those is definitely, I'd say, is still definitely possible looking at the, the fixtures in the air, but I think it involves us having to do with the double over the Ospreys, which we've not done in a in a while. Uh, for me, it's got to be, again, it's, it's going to sound very boring, but like like Hugh said, it's it's performances. You know, I, you know I've been very impressed with how Cardiff has played so far this season. So as long as they can build on that and get get better each time, then happy. Uh, if we could finish the season on a positive points difference, that would be quite a nice. That would be quite a nice little one for me. Um, especially given some of the, you know, we still have to go out to South Africa where we where we're going to play the Bulls, who quite handily. No, so not with the Bulls, is it? It's going to be Storm. No, Lions. It's Lions and Sharks this time. Sorry, they they they, they switched the teams around. I forgot that. You've got you've got the good um, team. Yeah, it's probably the better two to have out in South Africa, especially since we beat one of them last season. But I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm banned from mentioning which one or what the score was. Um, but yeah, then we've also got all the Irish sides to play, which are gonna. It's even the two teams we're gonna have at home is gonna be a very tough one. So I said, so similar to the Ospreys, I think Cardiff had they, they've probably had the kinder half of the season so far. So I think Still- they're gonna be tough. So just. Just to sort of carry on about where they are, I think would be fine to Cardiff. <laughs> you know, teams, if they, you know, make the playoffs or they win a, a title, they have special T-shirts made up. I would love it if there was a Cardiff, like, positive points differential special T-shirt you could buy at the end of the year. <laughs> I take it. If they could do it in the same pink as the alternate kit, because, you know, I've already got the boot socks for them. <laughs> and they're, Somebody they're write this amazing. down. <laughs> okay. I need to let you guys go, but I do need... 
our picks for how the season is going to end up. I love like we're pretty much smack down in the middle, like we've already talked about, like the, the table could be incredibly misleading right now. Um, it, it sure enough was last year. Um, Hugh, I'll start with you. Who are the four teams that are going to end up in the semifinals this year? Bulls, Stormers, Leinster, because what is a URC semi-final if it's not lost if it's not lost by Leinster? Um, <laughs> it's, tr- it's a tradition I particularly enjoy. Benison. Nice. Um, Harley, are you going to make any substitutions there? I was going to say Glasgow instead of Benetton. So but, the same three. You know, I could, three. I could, yeah. I, as I said, I think, yeah, I think it, it. This is where I think the final table will be quite interesting, and who has to go where. Yeah, the you, can, you can go away and win, but yeah, not the every finals are all to... on um, who has to go to South Africa. If the Stormers and the Bulls both get home quarterfinals, they're they're through. I mean, the the Bulls at home, it's a fortress. Nobody can do anything there. Even even other South African teams really struggle. It's it's yeah. it's altitude. It's it's like you're playing against sixteen men. So we obviously don't know, you know, if if those are the final four teams. We don't know who's facing who or where necessarily, but we're going to have to take a wild guess anyway. So Harley, who makes it out to the, to the finals out of those four teams? Uh, I think, I think Bulls are showing that all the messing around and doing two separate squads. Um, Jake White did last season. It's paid off. So I think Bulls are shooing, shooing there. And then, I'm torn between Storm, Stormers and Leicester. I think it's going to depend who's playing who in the semis, but I think it's going for to be sure. I think it's going to be those three teams battling for the final. I need you to nail down one though. Oh, I'll go with I'll go with a, a repeat of the first URC final and it'll be Bulls and Stormers, but maybe Bulls at home as opposed to okay. Stormers this time round. Hugh, do you have the uh, an all South African final? I think so. I, I would love to see Bulls versus a fully loaded Leinster team in the final. I think what a game that would be. That would that would definitely be test match worthy level of of a rugby match. But I I agree with Harley. I think Stormers Bulls final is what I'm. Well, I, I I like to double down. And before the season even started, I said I think the Bulls are going to win it, and so I'm I'm going to stick with that until it's like absolutely impossible mathematically so i'm sticking with that and i can see an all south african final again quick side note if it is an all south african final does that hurt the urc in terms of fans in europe does that make people in ireland and wales say screw it why am i going to watch this Um, you can take that home i think it's two different answers for two different groups of fans hmm because I think the Irish fans, I don't think he'll make... I think they'll be hurting that it's not one of their teams in there. And you are always going to lose some interest because some people only watch rugby when it's their team involved. Then you get some ultras like uh, the, the three people on this call who will watch every game they can get their hands on. Yep. And then start thinking about rugby games uh, for for uh, for fun afterwards. But I think with Welsh fans, it's quite... It, the URC has been quite hard-selling Wales anyway. There's a lot of very old, diehard fans who want... Who want pro rugby to be pumped, you know, to be the Welsh Premiership, or you know, an Anglo, or some version of the Anglo Welsh. So I think it is it's necessary hard, hard team, but I think at that point the playoffs are already a bit out of their mind already because I think once mm. the regular season's gone and they thing, I think the one the play the Welsh fans who are going to be watching the playoffs are, are going to watch it no matter which teams are in, even if it's hate so- watching. It sounds like Hugh. It sounds like you're gonna go with Bulls for your champion, uh, Harley. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna give us? Are you gonna give us a zag and say Stormers? I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go Stormers just to, just just to be different. Because uh, I, I do think they've they've proven. I, it's definitely gonna have to depend on who's at who's at home. Obviously, because URC's a you know it's home venues and there's no destination finals. I think if it was in Cape Town or a neutral venue. Stormers win, but at um, Loftus, it would be the Bulls every time. Well, it's more fun for a, an eventual follow-up pod if you guys have different picks, so it, it can make yeah. things more funny that way. Yeah, I'll go Stormers. Um, 
my friends, this has been a ton of fun. I'm really glad you're able to carve out some time on such short notice. Um, Harley, do you have anything to plug for your show? It, remind the listeners where they're finding your pod and what you might have planned for the future. Um, so all the Rat Family podcasts are uh, part of the Sports Social Network, so you can find them in all good places. You can you can get you can find uh, podcasts. We've also got a rap YouTube channel, which is only a couple of subscribers away from the Magic 100, uh, which uh, I, I'm going to let Hugh do all the plug and all the great stuff on that because he, he sort of manages it on everyone's behalf. Um, yeah, just that's in the next week or so, we'll start doing regular episodes. We've had some Christmas quizzes for people to do. I actually haven't done them quite shamefully because I thought I'll actually take I'll take the a couple of weeks off of rugby and just be a sort of fan and a player. And uh yeah, that's that's a mine over to you, Hugh. Yeah, Hugh, same question. Remind us all where where we can listen to you and what you uh, what you might have brewing for the next few weeks. So yeah, you can find uh, the Pirate Rugby on YouTube. Most of our uh, interaction is on there. It's available in all good um, podcast places, but the Pirate Rugby podcast. If you search that on YouTube, we're on 430 subscribers now. Our next goal is 450, and then the big 500, ideally. Um, and we put our content all the time on that, uh, whether it's shorts of my cat or uh, there'll be uh, m- more short, very short um, videos coming out soon. We're going to plan on doing more of those. Um, although, uh, as as Harley um, very eloquently plugged, the rap YouTube channel is something that we're trying to grow. Um, and that's got you can find all of the regional podcasts on there. So if you are a fan of a, a Welsh region or you are a fan of a team that is playing against a Welsh region, you can find previews and reviews uh, on that channel for for all of those games, for all four regions. Uh, and when we get into the international period, that we'll be talking about Wales and the Six Nations and things as well. So that's all on YouTube. So uh, if you search WRRAP podcast, so that's rap with two R's, on youtube you'll find it there and if you drop us a subscribe as Harley said we're going for the milestone so thank you very much in advance by the way i love the the mini friday morning show i really think that's a treat i'm surprised nobody else does that i kind of wish i had thought of it that's always like a on the way to work on friday i'm like yes got that extra little bit it, i think of it as a, a mini version of your show david so uh, it's <laughs> it's our tribute to you well, everybody, thank you again so much. This has been a festive treat for me. I, so maybe we catch up again in, in a few months and see how ridiculous our predictions look by then. Sounds ideal. Love to. Great. So thanks to you both and to everyone across the globe. Cheers. Talk to you soon and be well. 